We're starting a series this morning entitled PX Third. Now, what we want you to do is figure out what does that mean? What, what is that? It's a riddle or a formula, but, but PX Third and Acts 1 8 is, is our verse that, that we're using throughout this series. You know, the Holy Spirit for many people is a very scary thought. And what is the Holy Spirit? You know, the title of the message is Holy What? Holy Ghost? Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit and, and how do we understand him? And, and when, whenever you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, you see people, there's this instant fear that we have of the Holy Spirit. And, and so people have, have limited him to an it or a thing or, or this mystical spirit. Others have elevated it to the point of, of worshiping it and, and worshiping the gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. Both are a wrong view. You see, God sent the Holy Spirit in order to, to honor, to bring glory to God. And so I hope that as we go through this series, we can help you get a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, there was once a teacher that was trying to explain to her children what the Holy Spirit was and how, how he operated. And we have all these neat little ways of trying to explain the Holy Spirit. And you would say, he's like a three-leaf clover. There are three parts, and yet they are one. It, it's a nice, it's a cute way of doing it, but it comes short. And, and there's another way of saying the Holy Spirit is like, is like H2O. There's, there's steam and, and there's ice and there's water. You know, three different forms. But, but that falls short. And so this teacher was trying to figure out, said, well, the Holy Spirit is like a pretzel. You know, a pretzel is made up of, of one piece of dough but within that piece of dough, there are three holes. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So she went on to explain this. And then she asked one of the little boys to come up and to, to rephrase to her what she had just said. So the little boy gets up and he says, well, you're talking about God and how he's one. And, and this, this hole here is, is God. He's the father, and this hole here is, is the son, and this whole, the hole down here is the holy smoke. And for a lot of us, that's sort of our understanding of the Holy Spirit. We don't really understand, and, and, and you know, the King James didn't do us any favors when, when it, it, it uh, translates it the Holy Ghost. And so we think Casper and all kinds of crazy things when we think of the Holy Spirit. But within the, whole, the Holy Spirit, we have to understand, first of all, that, that there is the Trinity that exists. And how do you explain this Trinity? Well, let me just say there are, first of all, the Trinity says that God is three persons. And we see that in the scriptures. In 2 Corinthians it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. 
Then in Jude 1, verse 20 and 21, it says, But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait on the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how in those verses is intertwined God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? Three different persons, and yet... As you read on in scriptures, each of these persons is fully God. And in 1 John, in the introduction, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and this Word is is talking about Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so we see that, that there are three persons. They are all fully God. And there is one God. Because Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so there is no cute, simple way of explaining the Trinity. It's one of those things where as you read Scripture and you see it coming out, you just have to have faith that the Trinity exists. That there are three persons in the Trinity... They are all equally God, but there is one God. And and the part of the Trinity that we want to focus on over the next several weeks is, is the Holy Spirit and how he works in our lives and, and who the Holy Spirit is. And, and as you study the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit was promised in the Old Testament. In fact, as you, when, if you go back and you look at the creation story, the Holy Spirit was a part of creating the heavens and the earth. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is promised that he would come the way he did in the book of Acts. And in the book of Joel, it says that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, he uh, quotes these verses out of Joel. But, so the Holy Spirit was, was promised in the Old Testament that he would come the way he did. And also, as you look throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit at different times would come upon people for times of ministry. He would come on to the judges for a period of ministry. But he didn't, he didn't minister in the Old Testament like he does today. But he existed. He was there in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament promised his coming. Jesus, throughout his ministry, promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. And if you would, turn with me to John chapter 16. And we want to look at that for a couple of minutes. Uh, John 14 and 16, but we'll look at John 16 first. And you have to remember the the context of of what Jesus is speaking now is, is he is getting ready for his crucifixion. He's getting ready to leave earth. He's getting ready to leave these men that he's been with for three and a half years to fend for themselves. That he's not going to be there to answer their questions. He's not going to be there to fix their problems, to, to, to um, show them scripture. He wasn't going to be around anymore. 
And he was trying to prepare his disciples for that moment because they didn't understand yet what was going to happen. In John chapter 16 and verse 7, it begins like this. He says, I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, do you see what he said? He said, you know what? It's better for you that I go. Because I'm sending one. I'm sending the counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, to you. And when he comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment because the prince of the world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And there here you see again the unity of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, will speak only what he hears. Only what he hears the Father speaking to him. And then he says, and here's why the Holy Spirit comes in verse 14. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. And all, the, all of that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why he said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So Jesus is explaining to disciples, here's what's going to happen. I need to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And the thing we have to understand is that that when Jesus was here on earth, he was limited to space and time. In other words, Jesus couldn't be at all places at all times. He was limited to this place. If he wanted to go somewhere else and minister, he had to physically walk there and do the ministry. And what Jesus is saying is, is when I leave, when I go back up to be with the Father, then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that can be with all of you all of the time. And if you look at chapter 14, Um, He also, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, this is going down into verse 26 now. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not give, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, when you look at this word counselor, you know, Jesus is, first of all, he's assuring them that they would not be left alone. They would not be left as orphans, as one without, without a father. But he would send to them a supernatural helper To be with them at all times. Now that word counselor in the Greek is helper. 
which literally means one who comes alongside. So what Jesus is saying that I'm going to send one that is going to come alongside of you and teach you everything that I have taught you and remind you of everything that I, that I, that I have taught. I'm going to send one to help you, send one alongside of you. The King James translates it the comforter. But that word, when he said, I will send another counselor, that word another also provides us with some idea. That word means to send another of the same kind. Another helper. So this is in essence what Jesus may have been saying. He may have said, I am sending you one exactly of exactly the same essence as me. I'm sending you one exactly like me to be with you all of the time and everywhere you go. So that's what Jesus was promising when he promised to send the Holy Spirit. You know, he wasn't just sending a helper, but one that was exactly like himself with the same compassion and the same attributes and the same love for, um, for, for God's created people, for, for you and I. The Holy Spirit has the same love for us and compassion for us as Jesus does. But when Jesus told his disciples to believe in this Holy Spirit the way that they believed in him, I'm sure it was hard because they had seen God in the flesh. And now this God in the flesh was leaving them and they were going to have to depend on God the Spirit, which they could not see. And we can't see the Holy Spirit today and yet he exists within us. He said that he would send the Holy Spirit who would remind them of his presence. You know, the last command that Jesus gave before he ascended up into heaven was this. He says, and remember, he told his disciples, he says, now when I go, you go back into Jerusalem and you wait. You wait on the Holy Spirit. You wait on a gift that I'm going to send in 1-8, Acts 1-8, which I think is maybe one, is one of the foundational verses of all of the New Testament. Here's what it says, Acts 1-8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. You see, when I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into me and I receive power to do ministry. And when you look at the book of Acts and you see how the disciples were, how they were before the Holy Spirit came, when they were with Jesus, they were cowards in essence. I mean, they ran when conflict came. They were always, uh, they just really had issues a lot of times. But when you see the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, and you see the power that they had, and, and, and the passion that they had, they were like two different people. And we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, should have that same, we have the promise of the same power that, that the apostles had. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the coming, the promised coming of the Holy Spirit come down on Jerusalem. 
In Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing wind and a violent wind came from the heavens and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down and rested on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we see the coming, the new age of the Holy Spirit when he went from from coming on people in the Old Testament for special times of ministry to coming into all believers. When they accepted Jesus Christ, he came to live within them. Remember, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, when, when we look at the work of the Holy Spirit and you try to try to break it down, uh, let me try to break this down a little bit. And over the next five weeks, we will go into depth more as, as, when, as far as talking about the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and the seal of the Spirit. We'll spend the Sunday talking about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit and how that works in our lives. And we'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit. How we live out that. And then the last week, Keith is going to talk, to talk about how we understand, how we hear and are obedient to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because that really is the key, is when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is this need for us to begin to be obedient and do what he asks us to do. So here's, when you think about the work of the Holy Spirit... First of all, the Holy Spirit is with you, convicting us and drawing us to Jesus Christ. In other words, before I am a believer, if you're sitting here this morning and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you, convicting you and drawing you because the Holy Spirit has to draw us for us to accept Jesus Christ. And Jesus, Jesus promised, he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So, so the Holy Spirit convicts us. He's convicting us. It's sort of like this the little boy that uh, was at revival meetings and he accepted Jesus. And he went to the altar and accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. And the next day when he went to school, his friends all wanted to know what this was like. He said, what was it like? Did, did, did you hear God speaking? Did you hear his voice? He's like, well, no, not really. He's like, well, did you see him? Did you see a vision of Jesus up there just asking you to come forward and kneel at the altar? And he's like, well, no, not really. Then the little boy thought a little bit and he said, you know, it's sort of like, It's sort of like when you go fishing. You know, you can't see the fish. And and you can't hear the fish. But all of a sudden you get a tugging on your line and you just know the fish is there. He said, well, when I was sitting there, I just felt the tugging of the Holy Spirit on my heart. And I knew it was Jesus tugging me. It was the Spirit tugging me to come. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He, he, he draws us. He wants us to come. He doesn't force himself on us. But he is with us, drawing us to himself. 
And so when you're sitting there on Sunday mornings and your heart is beating fast and you're feeling convicted and you're feeling the tugging, that's the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes we like to ignore that tugging because it's uncomfortable. But if there's one thing that I desire out of this series of messages that coming from it, we would be much more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when we are prompted, we would act on what he is prompting us to do. So if that means coming to the altar on a Sunday morning during worship, just to, just to bow our knee, that we would do that. If that means taking time to go and pray with someone because we know, we just feel God tugging at our hearts to go and pray for someone, that we would do that. But that we would be sensitive and obedient to the Spirit. But the Spirit is with us. And then the day that I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in me. Because the Spirit comes in me when I accept Jesus Christ and he begins to live there. Take up residence in me. You see, at the point you accept Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You know, I know there's a lot of teaching that, that, that says that, that you accept Jesus Christ. And then at a later point, you receive the baptism of the Spirit. And, and, and um, you know, maybe it's, it's it, the way that it manifests itself is by speaking in tongues. But that's not biblically correct. The Bible says that when I accept Jesus Christ, I will be filled with the Spirit. You know, Peter, when he preached his message in Acts chapter 2, he said, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say it would come at some later point. He said, you will. So if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You see... Our lives before the Holy Spirit are sort of like this balloon. You know, we really have no power. We have no authority. But when we accept Jesus Christ, he breathes his spirit into our bodies. And then when he does that... When we are released, we have power. And he continues to fill us so that we have power to do ministry. He gives us his spirit so that we have the ability to minister. So the Holy Spirit is with us. When we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us. And then I believe that there are times when the Holy Spirit comes on us for ministry. When he is stronger on our lives than he is at other times. Where he gives us an extra measure of his Holy Spirit to do a work that he has called us to do. And let me explain. If you look in, in, uh, in the book of Acts... In Acts 4, 8, it says, then Peter, remember, and that, remember, Peter had accepted Christ. Peter had been filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But in Acts 4, 8, it says, then Peter, filled with the Spirit, 
said to the rulers and the elders and the apostles. Then he, he uh, spoke before the Sanhedrin. And when he was done, it says, And these men saw that these ordinary, untrained men had been with Jesus. I believe Peter was anointed by the Holy Spirit to speak to this, these men in ways that he normally wasn't empowered to do. See, that word filled means to furnish or supply. I believe Peter was supplied with an extra measure of the Holy Spirit. And all of us at times in our lives feel that filling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit coming on us for ministry. And I believe as we, as we become more and more obedient to the Holy Spirit, that that happens more and more often in our lives. And in closing, let me explain to you how this works. Because I've seen this work in people's lives. And, and, and maybe one of the most evident times in my life when I saw this was back, I believe it was in 1999, when we had the privilege of going to Juarez, Mexico with a group of young people. And each evening, one of the young people, or, or at every ministry that we did during that week, they were required to share their testimony as we would go out and do street evangelism. And we go to, to busy cities, uh, like to the, to the town centers, and, and we go, and this night it was, we were on this dusty little crossroad um, in Juarez, Mexico. And, and so that evening, the person that was to speak was Mark Miller. And for those of you that know Mark, know he's not a very talkative person. He's very quiet, very reserved. But Mark had, during that week, I believe God worked in him in, in incredible ways. But Mark was filled with the Holy Spirit because he had Jesus Christ. But on this evening, Mark, when it was his turn to get up, gets up on this evening and begins to share. And you could just tell that the Holy Spirit had come upon him because Mark spoke with power and with authority. And I still right now, I have goosebumps when I think about, about how he ministered and the word that he spoke that evening because it was powerful. And I remember Vert and I standing beside each other and I remember looking at her and asking, where did that come from? And even Mark recognized that something had come upon him because when he was done, he ran around the side of the building and nobody could find him until somebody went and, and Mark was weeping. And I remember his comment was, where did, I don't know where that came from. That's what I'm talking about when, when, when I say that the Holy Spirit comes on you at times. I know there are lots of different, whether you call that indwelling or baptism or anointing, but there are times when we are anointed by the Spirit where we do greater things than we can ever dream of if we are open to the Spirit moving in our lives. But as we become more obedient, He will become more evident in our lives on a more regular basis. And so my prayer is that we would, first of all, that, that every person here 
would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you would have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that you would allow him to work in your heart and to work in your life in a way that the whole world sees that you are a child of the king. And you know, I, I'm going to ask you a hard question. If there is no evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, do you have him? Because, you know, just because you prayed a prayer one day, or you got baptized because your friends got baptized, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I believe that when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it will be evident that the world will see. But the problem with the church today is the world doesn't see a difference in us. We are just like the world in too many ways. When we have the Holy Spirit, the world will see. And so I want you to just ask yourself that question. Do I have? Have I accepted Jesus Christ? Am I filled with the Spirit? Is it evident? Is it evident? But as we go through this study, I want, I, I want everyone to take the time to study and understand the Holy Spirit, to, to begin to understand. We can never fully understand. But we don't have to fully understand him to be obedient. And my prayer is that, that when people think about believers, when they think about the people that attend Fairlawn Mennonite Church, when they think about people that attend church in general, that they are spirit-filled, they, they love each other, they love other people. There is something different. About them. Because you know what? If there's nothing different about you, what do you have to offer? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're at the workplace and you're, um, you're cussing up a storm, you're telling dirty jokes, you're, um, you're cheating the, the employer of time by, by stealing time, if you're, um, you know, if, if, if you're in school, um, you know, and you're, your classmates see no difference in you. If you're living the way that they are, you know, if we're drinking and, and, and carrying on and, and, and um, things like that, where's the Holy Spirit? Is he there or isn't he? Because we can't live, in, we can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in religion. You're either all in or you're all out. And I really think we need to, every one of us needs to take a good, deep look and ask ourselves, is it real? Yeah, I hadn't planned on doing this, but I really feel like, you know, this morning, if you feel a need just to, to come up here and say, you know what, Lord, I want to give myself fully to you. Come up here and do that. But it's time we get serious about our relationship with Jesus Christ and quit playing around and playing church because playing church doesn't get you to heaven. There's a lot of people that pray, that play church 
one day the Lord will, one day if you're before the Lord, they'll say, but Lord, I did all these things in your name. He will say, I never knew you. It's time we quit playing church. Father, we thank you, first of all, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you didn't leave us as orphans, that, that when, when, um, when Jesus went to, to stand at your, to sit at your right hand, Lord, you sent your Holy Spirit to live in us, to empower us, to strengthen us, to make us different. And Lord, I pray that like the little boy, we would be sensitive to the tugging of your Spirit on our lives. Lord, that we wouldn't leave here this morning without knowing that we are filled and ready to be obedient to your spirit. And Lord, we would be your witnesses in Apple Creek, in Mount Eden, Fredericksburg, and Worcester, and Orville, and beyond. We would be your Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.